Welcome to Rooster Radio. I'm Andrew Montesi with James Begley. We sit down with AFL legend Matthew Pavlich. We were lucky to get half an hour with him while he was back in his hometown of Adelaide. As a footballer, there's few better. He's a club captain, six-time All-Australian, six-time Best and Ferris winner, eight-time leading goal kicker, the list goes on. But here at Rooster Radio, we wanted to find out more about Pavlich, the blue chip brand. He's the AFL Players Association president, business owner, investor, and ambassador to a number of top companies. And at all times, he's conscious of his brand and his values as a footballer, businessman, and family man. He also talks about learning to be a vulnerable leader and his holistic view of success. Enjoy our chat with Matthew Pavlich. Pav, thanks for joining us, especially the evening before a big game here in Adelaide. It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to uh, having a chat, guys. Um, He qualifies, Pav uh, qualifies for all the rooster qualities, an absolute coxcomb, Monty. Uh, A quiff and a bit of a side part. That's what we want. He's getting there, I think. He could go a bit more length on the front. I I assume you're talking about my hair. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, actually had a haircut this morning in Adelaide in Hindley Street. I was a bit rushed this week out of of Perth and I wanted to uh, get a haircut, so I just walked up the road to... Uh, one of the, the the barbers up there, and fortunately they were free. Um, just the look on the person's face when Matthew Pavlich walks in to get a haircut. Well, he was an English guy; he had no idea who I was. So <laughs> Beautiful. So, so he was thought you were Eric Cantona, did he? I, I told you, I've told you about my haircut story. Before, no, although right? I, I, I do, I do know that you used to cut your own hair. I, well, and that dovetails beautifully into my story. I I did used to cut my own hair, and it was mainly because I was sick and tired of the free advice I was often <laughs> getting by sitting in the chair. Um, what, football advice? Football advice, yeah. Well, it, life advice, I think, <laughs> I think, as well, various stages. But um, over in Perth, when things... I've had a relatively tumultuous career. It's been up and down, um, many highs, many lows. But there was a very stage where at Freo we are going pretty poorly, and um, I was a young captain, and I did. I, I took to cutting my own hair, and... Uh, uh, Lauren, my wife now, but girlfriend at the time, would sort of come home from work and there I would be sort of out in the backyard just <laughs> <laughs> sniffing away at my hair. And then I got her to do the back. Um, and it got to a point where she said, look, this is getting ridiculous. Just go to the local barber store and, and get, a, get a proper job. And so, okay, no worries, I did. And um, I'd been to this barber store before, but um, because I'd had such a long period away, there was a, a new girl there, um, a woman that was cutting the hair. And you know when you walk into a store and um, you know you can't book or whatever, so I, was, I w- went in and there was a bit of a waiting line, so I sat down and I knew the two barbers on either end, but I didn't know the new female. Awkward. So I was a bit, yeah, it was a bit awkward. And you know when you're sitting there and you're like, oh, you're sort of like playing out who's going to go next <laughs> and where. And I knew that I was going to end up in this woman's chair. And, um, so anyway, fair enough, sat down in the chair and she... For whatever reason, I just assumed, and this is a good reminder for us all out there that we're not as important as we think we are, <laughs> that she th- knew who I was and that I played football, but she was all business. She said, oh, what would you like? And I basically went you for said, those words that you said yep. beforehand. You said business at the top and party at the back. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, the 1980 special. Yeah. The South Australian special. <laughs> yeah. Scotty Hodges. And she went about the haircut, no wor- worries at all. Um, there was no talking. Um, she was doing it beautifully until about halfway, or probably almost right at the end of the the haircut, the barber who knows Matty DeBoer, a teammate of mine, his his family really well, he came across and said, oh, you know, um, tough season so far, um, Pav. Um, sorry, tough season so far, Matty, keep hanging in there. Um, Matty's playing some good for it, though. Go the Dockers. And the woman stopped mid-snip 
and sort of took a glance in the mirror and looked looked down at me and she said, oh, do you play football? And I said, oh, yeah, I, I do. And sort of kept the, the conversation short. She said, oh, who do you play for? And I said, oh, um, oh, I play for Fremantle. She said, oh, is that right? Because I'm related to that Matt Pavlich. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone in the whole barbershop line started laughing and this poor girl had no idea what was going. She went bright red. And the barber came back over and said, oh, you do realise this is actually Matthew. So it was, a, it was an embarrassing situation for me and for her. But we Was got she out actually related to you, though? She was not, no. And at no. that point, you said, I can't believe you don't know who I am? No, no, I certainly didn't say that. No, no. She, she said we were long-lost relatives from Croatia, but uh, there was no, no connection that I was aware of. Now, um, on a more serious note, and we, I'm very mindful, we have very limited time with you, and it, it kind of makes the we rooster... get the gold out Yeah, it kind away. of makes... It puts the pressure on us, doesn't yeah, it? Maybe we should talk to, stop talking okay. shit and get into um, it. Sorry about that. That's no, my no. fault. <laughs> Pav, I, I want to take you back to a, a camp that Frio was on many years ago, and I was fortunate enough to be involved, and um, you talked uh, very openly in front of the group at a bonfire about one of the things that you are mindful of as a leader is to be vulnerable at, yes. the, at the right time yep. and, and, and to, you know, something that you struggle with is to show your vulnerability. Mm. What did you mean by that? I think sometimes as an AFL player and as an AFL captain, you put on the, the armour and, you know, you're stoic and you're resilient and it's expected that your character has no chinks. You get everything right, you do, you play really well and... Um, you're perfect off the field and you lead the guys in the direction that needs to be led, whether that's being really harsh at times and giving really stern and direct feedback or at the same time putting an arm around a, a bloke who's had a bit of a rough trot and go and you know go down a, the street and have a coffee with them and, and find out a bit more about them and their family and build that relationship. And I was probably referring to the fact that at the time um, I was trying to be the absolute perfect citizen, the perfect footballer and the perfect captain. And reality is... I've learned since then that that's really hard. That's really challenging. And like it or not, no matter how good one person is, that's almost impossible. And I think at the time I was talking about the fact that, um, you know, it's a lonely place sometimes an AFL captain um, and an AFL player. And even though there's, you know, 45, 50,000 people at a game, most weeks we have that amount of members. Um, the loneliest parts are when you haven't been successful on the field and you go home and you have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask the questions of, are you giving enough? Are you doing enough? Um, and that's where that level of vulnerability comes in. Was there a, a sort of turning point when you came to that knowledge? Like, okay, maybe I do need to be a bit more vulnerable. Maybe I can't be perfect. Or was it something that you sort of learnt over time as you were captain? Certainly just learnt it, I think. It was a sense of trying to be the absolute best player I could um, as well as trying to bring un up underneath me the, the players, the younger guys that are now our leaders of our football club and understanding that it can't just happen with the click of the fingers and it can't just happen overnight. It's going to take time. You're going to have to nurture it. Um, you can't avoid giving really direct and, and, and honest feedback as I alluded to before, but um, it was something that I learned over time that, yeah, it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to lose, it's okay not to be perfect. Um, because I always thought, for whatever reason, that's what an AFL captain and, and a person um, in my position had to be. Being vulnerable, how does it actually play out, though, in, in like a real sort of sense? Oh, look, it's a good question. I think um, you recognise it, you acknowledge it, you 
tell your peers that it's okay to be that and hey look there are times that we all are as, as human beings um, but pretty quickly to realign to your core traits and values as a person and for me it was having a you know, really strong resilience um, you know being a leader you know standing up at the times both on and off the field that they were challenging and ultimately sticking to your guns um, knowing that if you trust yourself and and trust your ability back yourself in that things will turn eventually um, and working hard not that we're focusing on a, uh, you know it's not a negative start to Rooster Radio but I think it's a really really interesting part of performance is is when things aren't going well and when Matthew Pavlich is a leader of a football club and things aren't going well and you play on for another year and you haven't won a game um, to this point who do you turn to and what do you do to uh, work through that disappointment well firstly um, I turn to myself and look look in the mirror and say, hey, look, get a bit of perspective. Um, you know, we, all we're doing is playing this game of footy. Yes, it's really important. And yes, there's a lot of people's careers and livelihood and passion that are involved in the game. But it's a game of footy. And realistically, this is something that I've done and always have done. I started as a seven-year-old kicking around the footy or started you know, younger than that with dad in the backyard. But... Um, truly as a, as a seven-year-old playing junior football through the ranks in Adelaide, went through, absolutely loved it. And I've been able to do that for the last 17 years professionally. I mean, this is, I've been living my dream for the last 17 years. It's hard for many other people in the world to, to say they can do that for so long. And the other bit about perspective is my two kids, my wife and my family. Um, and they're all healthy, they're all well. And what children has given me is a really clear perspective on what I truly value in life and how I rate success. So by value, does that mean you lose a game of footy or, or win a game of football and then you come home and change a nappy and that and that shifts your focus? Like how, how oh, hands on, what, is, what does perspective mean like in, in practice? Pretty much, yeah. That, I mean, last week, um, you know, we, we lost against Carlton. It was a close game. We didn't play anywhere near we, we would have liked. Um, you know, Jack, my little one, needed to be changed when I got home because uh, Lauren was with our daughter in the bath so that that was my role at the time and that's what I did it, it it pretty quickly puts things as I said straight back into perspective um and reality is you know we all want to be successful in life we all, all want to do really well at our chosen profession but um my job as a human being and as a man is to be a really good husband and to be a fantastic dad and when I think about that if I actually break it down to that level well then everything else seems highly successful in, in my life as compared to rating that so highly. And I have to be that for the next however long I live. It's an interesting point because talking about defining success in an AFL context when the ultimate success is a premiership and they're bloody hard to come by. Mm. Has that really helped you um, having that sort of that bigger picture approach to life? Yeah, I think life has and, and family and all that has, but... I realize I always think I've had a pretty good balance in my life and and at times it's probably oscillated a little bit in terms of where I rate football um, in terms of level of importance but I've always been at university I've always had some business interests I've been involved in many other things I've kept a really close core group of mates that I went to school with in Adelaide um, who didn't allow me to get too far ahead of myself at any stretch which um, I thank them for but so from that perspective 
all I've ever wanted to do was have a chance to win a premiership. And we, we you know, we got to the grand final in thirteen, and um, at the end of that game, not anyone in that team could look at each other and say, you know what, you didn't give your all today, you didn't try hard, and ultimately, yeah, we should we feel short, we weren't good enough, we didn't execute well, and probably we weren't hard enough on the day, but. As a general rule, we could all look at each other after that game and say, you know what, we're okay, um, life's okay, our families are well. It would have been great to lift the cup and it still is an aim of mine. Um, but, you know, if I don't achieve that, then hey, I'm okay with it. Last question, I guess, in, in this area before we move on to some of the, the business stuff and we, we have a short amount of time. Um, we press people at Rooster Radio to be really specific. And uh, who are the people? Um, we want some names. Who are the people that you call in the car on the way home? Uh, we've, James Gallagher has had a mention on this show before. Uh, <laughs> Rob, not gags. But Rob Chapman. No, I know. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Pav, an, another sacred, sacred heart, heart boy. Influence, influence <laughs> who, 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 are um, the, who are the people that are in your inner sanctum? There's not many. Um, and maybe that's a weakness of mine that I need can, to I, can I just jump in I, yeah. I was privileged to be at a wedding where there was a reference to Matthew Pavlich not liking people <laughs> in general <laughs> that, that is unfair <laughs> it's somewhat true but it is unfair um, I, look, I mean uh, my wife Lauren obviously my mum and dad uh, and my sister that they sort of you know, first came out of the rank but in terms of mates that I grew up with and that I went through school with uh, Paul Yeomans um, is, is one of them Nathan Kimber uh, who lives here still in Adelaide, and uh, Damien Scanlon and Scott Baker are probably the three or four guys who I wouldn't re- necessarily call them after a um, a game, but uh, you know, we've all lived in different states and, and different countries for um, most of our life post-high school, so that's the last 16, 17 years. But there wouldn't really go a week where um, I wouldn't speak to, to all of those guys. Wow. Um, the business of Matthew Pavlich... Um, we will refer to you being a blue chip brand, whether you like it or not. Um, <laughs> if you were going to divide up your world outside of football into some categories, uh, especially business interests, ha- how would you divide it up? Well, yeah, I'm, I have been and I am involved in a couple of small businesses. Um, I've been at university pretty much the whole time I've been playing uh, for football and I've had an alignment with some corporate brands and Right now, those brands, are Woodside, um, their Home Loans, uh, their Crown, uh, Fraser's Property Group, um, and really Channel 7 and the West over in, in Western Australia. So I really allocate my time to those three, as well as the AFL Players Association being the president. So my hands are pretty full outside of the game. Um, and it's something that I've always found that's helped me on the field because it's given me really good balance. It's helped me understand, you know, structure within an organisation. It's helped me understand team dynamics. And, of course, doing the uni, the, the theory part of it, it's helped me round out um, the specifics I'm going to need post-football. On that, you mentioned you've been at uni basically the whole way through your career. S- sounds depressing, doesn't it? it? It does a little bit. Well, it gave you a wife. <laughs> it did, yeah, that's right. Met my wife there. Oh, great. Um, so does that mean that you had a plan for life after footy from day one? Yeah, pretty much. Mum and Dad were, were, I wouldn't say absolute in their advice or um, they were pretty directive in saying that, look, I think it's worthwhile. Look, footy may last 15, 20 years, but at the same time it could last one or two. So, you know, 
um, study. And that was always my goal going through high school at Sacred Heart. I wanted to get into university. I wanted an educa- education. And I wanted to try to, um, you know, be balanced, really, have a balanced life. And, and in that sense, um, it's always been important. Uh, I did an undergrad of, of science. Um, it was like exercise health science with some psychology in there. And now, yeah, almost finished my MBA. So it's always been a focus to have a backup plan, essentially. Um, what have you earned over the last however many years of football? <laughs> Cash. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? Or yeah. values or like, life like learnings? Or? What, what, what sort of ballparks are we talking Do you have to work again once you've finished playing football? I do, yes. Um, and where have you chosen to kind of allocate your money in terms of shares and property? And It's a good question. Um, well, yeah, so uh, I've had a number of properties. Um, I've had a share portfolio and still do. Um, at the moment, I've got a couple of properties in Perth um, and maintain that, that share portfolio. I've had some businesses, some good, some bad. Um, and it's it's always going to... I'm, I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to work for a long time. But I think I want to work. I, you know, um, I, for footballers, realistically, at this point in time, still only earn, on average, about 250000 a year. Now, that sounds great money, and it is, but you've got to remember that the average lifespan on an AFL list for, for players is only five and a half years. And while that's fantastic money in that short term, um, you know, it's a long time retired. And, and I'm the same. I've got a, a lot of life to live and I think I've got a, a lot to give in the business in the business world that I'm really looking forward to once, once footy does finish. So what does it look like then, post-footy? I think initially... Um, you know, let's say hypothetically it finishes at the end of this year, I'll finish my MBA either towards the the end of this season or, or soon after, early next year. Um, so I'll tick off a bit more study. Um, I've got some media interests that I have been involved in for quite a long time, so I think I'll continue those in the short short term. But clearly the longer-term play or the, the mid-term play is to get involved in some businesses um, or in, in business world, corporate life. So who's had an influence on the business side of your world? Um, you've got a stack of different interests. Who's been advising you through that? Um, ad- I, I'd imagine you would have been heavily involved yourself. Yeah, um, I've been very fortunate along the way to be mentored and establish some strong relationships with uh, the likes of Richard Goiter over in WA. Um, his family lived next door to my wife's um, in the early days. It's amazing how life can sometimes bring some some diamonds and some gold um so i've established a great relationship with him he was a board member of Fremantle and now the commission on the commission of the afl and i've yeah essentially been mentored him for the last by him for the last 10 years um also michael cheney who is another west farmers product uh, don volte who was involved with woodside for a long time and now his um, successor in peter coleman so yeah, there's a few really smart and, and shrewd business operators there that I've had the pleasure with. But I've also had one of your guests, like Rob Chapman, who is a Sacred Heart um, collegian or collegian and um, a part of a broader friendship group that I guess I have with some of his older friends um, who I've spoken to quite a bit. So I've been very, very fortunate to have some fantastic people around me. And relationships is obviously key to um, you know this side of your world as well, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. Um, relationships with the people that are core to me, my family, my, my close mates that I alluded to before, but there's a lot of... Football has afforded me a fantastic network um, and a great lot of people who have strong values, incredible integrity and can open up a lot of other 
avenues and doors for us post-football. How do you sniff out the difference between someone who just wants to use you versus someone who's sort of genuinely mm, uh, interested? I ask, a lot of, I ask a lot of questions. I, I look them in the eye. I sit down with them. I get a sense of what they truly value. I get a sense of what their business truly values and whether or not they're in this for the short term or in this for the, the, the reasons that I would be in a relationship for, whether it's um, a relationship with a female or a man, depending on what your preference is, or like a transactional relationship, a commercial relationship. And um, I've, I've never liked hangers-oners, if that's a term. I've never liked the other stuff that comes with the game and comes with the notoriety of playing. Um, I've always tried to be at arm's length for that and stay distance to that because it just doesn't suit me and I don't like it. So sitting down with them and looking in the eye and asking them what they truly value is a good start. And if you were going to look at Matthew Pavlich as just a logo or a brand and you were going to describe it from an objective point of view, I'd probably have how to would ask you, you that. What, what would it look like? What would, what would the two of you think? I'll see if it's aligned to what I think. I mean, I'll give you a few. I mean, um, high integrity, hardworking, honest, loyal, clean cut. Uh, I'm there's exactly, some words. I have I have I have known you since you're about 13. <laughs> I think I've said to you a few times that at some point I'm going to find a chink in this. You you'll end up with a body in the boot of your car or something. <laughs> seriously, that would please me no end because sure I'm still waiting. It. I said you you sort of your life is progressing in this perfect little graph where you know I'm being a bit. It's flippant. hardly ever been no, like that. I, I know, can guarantee I know, you. I know. Um, but the reason I ask that is because um, do you make decisions now? in reference to those qualities? Every day. Every so day. So give us some examples. Well, ev- every day in terms of if I see an action on the football field or in the gym, if I don't say something, if I don't if I don't hit my teammate up that it's not the right thing or if I don't reward them for some uh, for an effort, I'm not being honest. I'm not valid. I'm not giving... I'm, it's but, not integrity. But what if we broadened it and said now that the role of an AFL footballer is footballers tweet. They conduct interviews. They represent brands. They... Uh, you know, appear in photo shoots. But it stays true for all of those examples that you give, and it's something that I'm I'm cognizant of the entire time that I'm I'm awake. So even today, you you've flown yep. in you've flown in last night to Adelaide, and you're in Adelaide today. Is there an example today where you consciously or subconsciously have referred back to? you as a brand or your qualities as a, as a teammate or a, or a product and gone, I'm, I'm going to just deviate my decision or align my decision to those qualities? I think first and foremost is I went and saw my nan who's a bit crook at the moment and you know suffering some mental health issues. She's in her late 80s and um, I could have easily gone and caught up with a maid or you know, spent some time with the p- some players or you know, looked over some footage for tomorrow's game. But I prioritised seeing my nan, who I haven't seen since um, just before Christmas last year. So, um, you know, it goes to the relationships that you build and that you treasure with your family. It goes to the relationships and whatnot commercially as well. Um, it's specifically to do with football, yeah, I, I don't have an example, but that would be one that's stood out today. Can I suggest something? I think we've got about four or five minutes left, tops. Um, I'm keen for not rapid fire, but I'm keen to put some things to you and we want some opinions and we want some thoughts. Uh, They don't have to be uh, long sort of uh, winded answers. 
but to try and capture, not that it's been long-winded. No, no, we'll see how we go. But we understand we've got a short amount of time. Uh, you're writing a book and you've got to be critical of, of people within the football industry. Um, there was some comment about Mark Harvey. What goes through your head when you're writing a book and you've got to be critical? Tell the truth. People trust people far more than brands. We've been talking about it somewhat, influencer marketing. Do you see that as a big growth area? I do. I, I think, as always, companies and commercial outlets want to recruit the best people and retain the best people. And no matter what you're trying to dr- drive, a product, um, a service or whatnot, if you've got good people, um, people will, will get behind that. The one moment that you're going to take away from your football career as kind of a treasured little moment in time? After games winning, the relief of maybe half an hour. The half an hour relief that you get of we've won, um, I'm sore, I'm looking around the room, everyone's put in their all and it's great. But it's only for about half an hour because you start focusing on the next week straight away. It's unfortunate, but it's the way the professional world has gone. How close did you come to retirement? Very. Um, it probably took me three or four weeks post the season. I had it, it was when I was running around up in Noosa for my sister's wedding um, and I actually had the drive to go and want to do the off-season program, want to go and run, want to go to the gym and train that I worked out that I still had a little bit left to give. Um, the, the people in the AFL world that might not be so obvious that you truly respect... Well, that's a tough question. Um, honest, so without thinking about any names or specifics, the people behind the scenes. So for me, Ken Withers, our doctor, Jeff Boyle, our physio, our trainers, our support staff, the people, the fans have no idea about what they do. Um, you know, like even last night, there's, there's two, Paul Silas and um, Gary Antelov, our two sort of property guys were out at the back of the hotel piling bags up bringing all that stuff in at sort of 10 o'clock at night after being at our football club at probably half past six in the morning like that sort of stuff that genuine care that desire that the, the willingness to go the extra mile is um is so so critical and and the uh, people who watch the AFL wouldn't say that one more from me the footballer throughout your career who you have admired the most who I've played other, with other than yourself oh. I think that would have been Kevin Foley's answer, wouldn't <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> That's way too hard. Um, a couple of guys who are sort of my vintage, Rob Murphy and Nick Revolt, uh, I would say, who have had, who've been at clubs not too dissimilar to mine that have almost seen the highs of the highs in the AFL, um, particularly Nick at St Kilda. But Rob's been to a number of you know, prelim finals as well. Um, you know, Bob was drafted the same year as me in the, in the top 10 with me as well. So, you know, and both captains and all that stuff. So th- those two, because um, they've seen some downtimes as, as the same as our club has. What sort of connection do you have to Adelaide and what does it mean to come back 16, 17 years later and stay in a hotel um, in the city that you grew up? It's great. Gr- driving down to see my nan at Semaphore today, it actually felt like home. A lot of the familiar you know, signs and signposts and shops and all that kind of stuff. Yes, there's been some change, and change for the good here in Adelaide, I think. Um, you know, Adelaide and Perth aren't too dissimilar in, in a lot of ways. Um, backwards in some, and so good in, in so many other ways. Um, I love coming back here. I love the city. Um, South Australia. I'm a South Australian. 
Like I, as much as I love Western Australia, and that's probably where my future will lie for, and for my family. Um, I always love South Australia and certainly enjoy coming back here. So to finish with then, and to paint a picture of um, what is ahead of you, um, what does the world of Matthew Pavlich look like? Two years, three years ahead. Well, maybe it's a business with you, uh, Pickstars. Right answer, correct. <laughs> Starting to uh, hum along a Just little bit. and so much money. <laughs> so much money. Well, well hopefully it's a success. We don't judge success by winning no, or by money. But, maybe, yeah, look, maybe that's, um, that's something where it could, uh, you know, s- some level of media interest, but um, a, happy, a happily married man with a great family who works pretty hard in business and corporate life, but at the same time understands how to have a really good time with his friends and family. And to finish with, I'm going to steal one more question. Keep saying to finish I know, with, I know. To fini- but what is one thing the audience might not know about you before we I say I really thank you? like red wine. What, what, and I have what grey hair. And I've got grey hair. <laughs> <laughs> what type of red wine? Uh, either Shiraz from Barossa or Cabernet from Margaret River. Okay. And how much red wine have you drunk so far this season? Zero. I, I do remember I'm Matthew. Honest, honestly, I zero. do remember Matthew pouring over a spreadsheet on a plane, <laughs> and he sort of had four or five in a column next to a certain type of red wine. I said, "Well, you got four or five bottles." And he said, "No, nah, no, nah, four or five dozen of that <laughs> that's red not wine." True. <laughs> wow, that's a good way to finish, but that's not true. Matthew Pavlich, thank you for squeezing in thirty-five minutes in a very hectic schedule before um, your last game. You travelled. I don't think you travelled to Adelaide again this year. I don't think so. No. So, what could be your last run on the Adelaide Oval? We thank you for your time. Cheers, mate. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, guys. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Matthew Pavlich. Now, to connect with Rooster Radio, we have a new website. It's roosterradio.biz. That's how you contact us. That's how you find all the links to listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and everything else. You can also connect with us via Facebook, facebook.com slash HQ. Thanks for tuning in to the Rooster Radio podcast, hosted by Tracks Leadership's James Begley and Apiro Consulting's Andrew Montesi. 